Seeing yourself again, reflected on someone and understanding that you actually are not alone. That that struggle is actually happening to A, B, and C. It's not like a struggle competition, you know, but like it's good when you understand that like, oh, other people go through this as well. Like I'm not crazy, you know, because it's easy to doubt yourself, especially if you work on your own because you get in your head really easily. So learning how to like get out of it and ask for support when you need is like, Definitely something, I don't know, maybe we should all learn that in school. Hello and welcome to the Bossing It podcast. This series will be exploring the real life stories of women on a mission to build big brands and fulfilled lives. Each guest will share the ups and downs of growing their business and get real about the challenges that life has thrown their way on the road to success. Each episode will offer a fresh outlook on life and business, and you'll also get to hear top tips from these amazing founders that will inspire you on your own mission of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Connie Longdon-Jefferson, and today I'm joined by Isabel Sachs, the founder of iLight Networking. A multi-talented creative, Isabel is a producer, public speaker, and podcast host with over 15 years' experience in arts, culture, and entertainment. She created and sold an award-winning cultural agency based in Brazil before making the move to London, where she continued her incredible career working with a range of clients, including Levi's and Vodafone. During lockdown, she realised how desperate freelance creators were for that... Oh, fuck's sake. Sorry, Laura. Isabel has always been passionate about bringing diverse talent into the creative industry and interested in how the connections we make can influence our careers. During lockdown, she realised how desperate freelance creators were for that connection, both for their mental well-being and to find work in an unstable creative landscape. The idea for I Like Networking was born. The platform is now focused on supporting women and non-binary professionals looking for a start in the creative industry and for those who are already working in the field but feeling a bit stuck or isolated. In this episode, we talk about the magic of collaboration the impact community can have on our mental health and our business, and why the creative industries are so often lacking in diversity. Isabel also shares her advice on navigating overwhelm and explains why we should all like networking. Isabel was a dream guest to chat to. I hope you love listening to this episode as much as I loved recording it. Isabel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is fun. (laughs) so I like networking kind of I imagine some people it does it do what it says on the tin and today we're going to be talking about how a network can can really help you thrive in your creative career and I guess outside of people might think you know a classic creative career because I think all careers have an element of creativity uh, and especially if you're an entrepreneur Um, but for anyone that doesn't know you could you tell us a little bit about um, your business and, and what you were doing before then Yes, so Island Networking started last year as a volunteer project initially that would uh, offer mentoring with networking embedded into it for women and non-binary people in the creative industry. So I lost my own job due to COVID. Uh, it was like a freelance contract, but I was then working in live music. It's probably not the best to be doing. Wow, yeah, really hit hard. <laughs> And I tell people that I did a bit of what I like to call Netflix and crying for a few weeks when that all happened, because the the industry was just like everything came to a halt. Everyone was furloughed, fired, you know, freelancers were scrambling and uh, for better or worse, the creative industries operate really on a who you know basis, on recommendations Mm. and things like that. So at one point I was talking to friends and colleagues and they were like, oh my God, how am I going to find a job now? What am I going to do? Hate networking. It's so impossible. How are we going to do this online? And I said, oh, I, I actually like networking. Like, I don't know if that's a problem. And started thinking like, maybe that's what I can do. I've always been someone who liked to introduce people to one another, yeah, bring people together. Uh, it was always something that I did kind of naturally and something that I really enjoy. I really like talking to people. And mm. so the idea came from that. We, we I launched the this like call out for mentees. I thought we were going to have 100 people max. And we had, I think, 36 mentors or something like that. 
and I said, well, if we have 100 people, it's three mentors, three mentees per mentor, and they can choose one, and that would be great. You know, we're going to help 36 people. That's it. But we launched a call out, and, you know, we in 24 hours, we had 100 applications. At the end, we had like wow. 420 or 450. And wow. I said, how, what am I going to do with all these people? <laughs> Basically, essentially, I didn't want to leave that many people hanging. I mm. realized that there was really an overwhelming demand for support in the creative industries. And so I started to develop a few other sort of ways where we could help people out. So that began with some online workshops that mostly are, you know, some of our mentors could deliver because then they could come and meet them, you know, even if they hadn't been recruited to work with them directly, mm -hmm. uh, started a podcast and um, all sorts of things. And so finally, we started uh, some Instagram accounts, Instagram accounts, social media platforms to share some resources and tips and knowledge. And that all kind of took on from there really fast. Really snowballed. <laughs> yeah, really snowballed. Yes, that's the word. And so uh, I guess I it's very hard for me to define exactly where we are. I tell people that we are a creative platform a creative career platform that is really trying to help people use network to thrive in their careers but yeah so that's more or less what we're trying to do but before that for the past 15 years or so I've been working mainly as a creative producer and a project manager I used to have my own uh, cultural agency in Brazil where I'm from and I sold that in 2015, moved to London in 2014 to do a master's and then basically never left and was like <laughs> struggling in the job market in London like everyone else and trying to find my foot here. But yeah, I just really wanted to see how things operated here because it's a very, very different scene in terms of how established sure. the industry is than what it is in Brazil, you know. And how, you know, I... Obviously, your experience before <clears throat> has helped because you understand the problem and, you know, you, you have a network that you could start to pull from. But what about the roles that you did and like being a creative person? Like, do you think that was really helped you in creating I Like Networking from, you know, the branding is incredible. You can see all that. But I also feel like maybe being freelance and being creative. Do you feel like that gave you, I don't know, something inside you that you're like okay I can I can create a solution to this problem and I can take a risk and it can be kind of exciting yeah it's funny because I don't usually consider myself a creative person um I I got into the creative industries almost by accident I was very mm. I felt very lost when I had just joined university but you know I was 17 so who isn't yeah. lost like what do you actually <laughs> know about yourself when you're 17 not a lot and I was studying international relations. I had initially thought that maybe I could be the president, low ambition. And goals, I <laughs> fell out of love very fast with politics. Well, like really fast, like three months in, I was like, this is actually not it. <laughs> and I had a friend who was doing like film, was in film school or something. And he was doing a small project, like a film student project. And I, went to help him make coffee for everyone for two days. Then I went to help do coffee and run and buy Red Bulls to other people, other students. Things mm. kind of developed from that, from helping people out in other areas. And I worked like in a fashion show, also in like mm. this fashion place, and then got a job as a gallery assistant in a visual arts gallery, knowing nothing about contemporary art other than it existed. You know, um, it's just not, it was not a clear like, oh, you can have a career in the creative industries. That wasn't even a term. I had never heard of it. Like I had gone to museums, but no one has told me like, you could actually work here if you wanted to, you know, mm. it was just not a possibility. Um, and so I, I started working in like different fields uh, because while I was at the art gallery, I did a lot of freelance jobs especially because I did not know where to go and what to fit because all the roles were new to me. Um, mm. But I kind of at one point figured out that my strength lied in solving problems and organizing things and getting people together. And so 
I fell more into the production role. And mm-hmm. one of my former clients used to call me the psychopath of efficiency. It was really funny. Um, Love that. And I just, yeah, it was something that came more or less naturally. I think what really helped is that I used to always throw parties that I shouldn't be throwing in my parents' house when they left, you know, for or travel. That was like yeah. organizing the school trip, <laughs> you know. So maybe there was something in it. Like I Yeah, maybe early on that's a sign you shouldn't have been president. That was more well actually no, to be fair, presidents do worse things than that. So actually maybe yeah. you were very calm. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't think my my reputation from my teenage years would hold up to like a presidential <laughs> campaign, to be entirely honest. Like but yeah, I, I always liked organizing those things. So it wasn't that of that of a big jump. Like of course you need to understand a lot about the industry, but you know, mm. I started from the bottom. I did like Literally, I was a runner on sets. Then I started doing bigger and bigger projects. And I think it's so it's, common in the creative industries like yeah. that. And I guess yeah. that's why with I like networking, it it makes total sense because you recognize that your whole career is based on those contacts that you've made and that person that you met and that advice that you got from that person. And I think in many different industries, but I do think particularly the creative industries, like that really is the 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 lifeblood of it is is your connections. Yeah. Rightly or wrongly. Yeah. And I think at the end, I, you know, I'm very good at, my brain really operates in this way of like, there is a problem, break it down into steps to get to a solution. Uh, It's just, I don't know if it's because I got trained that way since I was 17 working in this business. And it's how I usually think. So when I got presented with the problems, like maybe maybe there's something I can do about this and like, how can I do it? So things went very fast. Uh, and so I have, I'm good at the actioning things. But for instance, when I worked at my own agency, I worked with like, one of the things we did was uh, in, we had a lot of projects in theater and I worked with two artistic directors and we had kind of a pact. So I would sit in, we would discuss all the projects and I would give input, but essentially business decisions ultimately came down to me. And at the end of the day, if we couldn't agree on artistic decisions, I just had to trust them and be like, mm. fine, we'll go that way, you know? So I think for that reason, I was like, I don't know if I'm very creative, but now I I see that there's also a lot of creativity that you have to do when it comes to problem solving yeah. and surviving in this industry anyway. So yeah, something I'm hundred percent. And I think creativity, and this is something that I've like uh, gone through recently with my own career, is that I used to think that creativity was painting a picture or something like this, you know, and I was really bad at art at school and I was really bad at design, really, uh, in some ways. And actually, I think being an entrepreneur, you realize that being creative is so many different things. Like it's not all about being artistic and being creative are two really different things. And I think that everyone that's running their own business has got some level of creativity because they're creating this business you know they're creating these ideas they're creating this stuff yeah um, and it's about like innovating the way you solve things and yeah 100%. i i think it's something that we should all be appropriated because there is creativity in almost everything you know and it's one of the most important skills in business in general and it's kind of like a shame and this is like my politics rant that usual, usually governments tend to downplay the power of creativity. And in that way, they, you know, downplay the cultural industry at large, that it's so important for everything. It's just that it's potentially not seen as a direct impact, but it is, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's a problem. At some point, I have to be the president, I think, to go fix it. But <laughs> we'll see. The problem that you were trying to solve, I guess, initially with I Like Networking in the face of the pandemic was, you know, having all these creative people out of work and, you know, I guess just trying to also find something to cling to in that crazy time. But what are the sort of wider issues within the creative industries that you're you're hoping to solve? So here's the thing. The number one thing that I saw coming from the mentoring program, especially, and that's what gave me the idea that, okay, there's gotta have some more support to this is that most women and non-binary people that applied I think 99% of people maybe all of them on the first round said that they suffered from imposter syndrome that they thought it was really hard to advocate for themselves to ask for things 
and you know that putting themselves out there and asking for what they needed was like the biggest challenge so everyone suffered from this like crazy confidence crisis uh i'm just gonna put this out there that i don't actually like the term imposter syndrome i think it's i feel like most of the times these labels are actually more damaging than not uh i people that never doubt themselves are probably psychopaths or sociopaths like if you always think you're the biggest bomb person out there there's potentially something strange about you Mm. uh there's a level of doubting yourself that is good for growth and for thinking Mm. things in a different way right but um I saw that a lot of people were just completely deflated. They had no support system around them to actually help them thrive or go forward. And that can be really, really, really difficult, you know, Mm -hmm. especially at the time that we were living and now. So that's something that I think it's really important that we share. It's obviously not just a problem for women, but I think, you know, women tend to struggle with a lot of issues that are, based on systemic problems we have. Mm -hmm. For instance, a lot of projects for career development program are focused on young people. And that's awesome. Young people deserve all our love and support. But I saw in my career, a lot of women who wanted to start a family. So in the late 20s and early 30s, get completely pushed aside because there's not enough childcare support. And that means that they have to drop out of a career for five years which is at that exact moment where they're like actually going to leadership roles. So what happens is you see a lot of women at the bottom, literally killing themselves, working for very bad pay. And then at the top, it's all still white, you know, men. And some white men are lovely and great people, of course, but we need diversity, right? Culture needs diversity. That's the way that things evolve and become better for literally everyone. And so that's, I think, a really important point that I wanted to help people from all age groups, but especially make it open for people that had dropped out and needed to go back in because we need to bring those people in. We need to bring these women back and we need more people in leadership positions, not just at the bottom of the, of, of the, you know, of the pyramid. Yeah, 100%. That's a big thing. Obviously for that to actually change, policy needs to change there's a really good group called pregnant then screwed here yeah i love them yeah amazing really good work around them there's also a movement called flexible which is going on so there are people advocating for them that and i think i'm hoping that part of the online networking platform helps people to see the systemic issues they are facing so part of that Mm. syndrome is actually just a response to a system that's really not designed to support women um or support, you know, minority genders like to actually thrive in a career as other people that might not have those kind of invisible barriers could, right? Yeah. And it's also not this idea that to be in a great leader, you need to be bold, outspoken, always selling, always pitching. This is not the way for everyone. And I think there is a gentle way to network that makes more sense perhaps to other communities and that should also be viewed so i think there's a push for that in a way as well and i think the second pet peeve that i have obviously is with unpaid work in the industry i honestly in my mind like i'm not a person that believes in meritocracy like square but in my mind if a company can only operate and have financial have profit by having unpaid labor, that's a bad company that should not exist. Yes. That's it. If that's how you operate in a capitalist society, you're you're a bad operator and you should not no longer exist as a business. Go sort yourself out, you know? That's yeah. just not okay. Like this, it keeps exploring this issue that culture has no value, that creativity has no value. And that mentality actually impacts everything. It impacts the fact that there's less funding for arts education in schools. There, there is less, you know, training for people explaining to them like, hey, these are all career opportunities you might have, you know, and it just makes the pool of talent like more restrict. It makes things harder for everybody to access it. And at the end of the day, that will impact representation in the long term. So 
I think this is this, these are two really big issues that I'm kind of as much as I can I want to use the platform to try and bring light to this so we only advertise uh, positions that are paid uh, and that they disclaim the salary on our website when we do it uh, so there's a lot of talk about this uh, so I just I think that we need to stop like the stigma and we need to actually talk about money and value and worth because that will really change a lot of the narrative and the game yeah a hundred percent and I think the two issues that you're you're describing like they also collide and they also impact each other because you know I'm sat here and I'm thinking okay so I was the person that couldn't afford to do unpaid internships you know and live in London so I missed out on the start of my creative career and kind of had to go in a different direction then when I finally got the confidence and the financial stability to go, no, I'm going to go freelance, I'm going to be creative. And now I've been doing that. And I'm now wanting to become a mother in the next couple of years. And, and you know, and I don't have 10 or 15 years even of, you know, a business because I didn't have that start, you know, so I feel like for women and non-binary people and, and anyone that just can't afford to get that early start, then you're missing out on all of that networking, all of that relationship building, all of that experience. And then even if you try and follow your passions and then another life hurdle might come your way and you just, it's like you're, you know, getting hit down by the waves, you know, you're trying to, trying to get up and you can't. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really, really important that, and, and like you said, I think when we really want to talk about the power of networking, because it really is, if you're a creative industry, if you're an entrepreneur, if whatever you're doing, who you know, and the connections that you make is always going to be really helpful. But if you aren't, in that world already it can be really intimidating to get into that world you said that you like networking obviously which is great but why do you think so many people get like the ick about networking and find it intimidating and don't want to do it so i think there is a, a an idea of networking that is a very corporate term right mm, so as yeah. a creative you would imagine going to like a conference and everyone's exchanging with your sticker with your name on it <laughs> and like being able to pitch yourself perfectly and like everyone does pitching classes and negotiation workshops and exactly what they're saying and go ahead and sell 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 themselves or someone else and mm. um, I've only seen networking as a way to literally have collaborators and partners and it's been the most important thing that I've learned growing in this career. Like I didn't have a CV until I moved to London. Didn't have a resume. You know, people just recommended me to things. Like I remember going uh, to meet a friend and this friend saying, oh, you actually need to meet this producer who does festivals in this part of the world. Go have a coffee with him. This guy was like, there's a conference you should go. On this conference, I met like three people. One of these people became the person who helped me do my dissertation here, get a job in London. So I liked, I like people. I'm really interested in people's stories. So I was always really thrown, like drawn to like places and events where you can actually meet and talk to people and listen about their stories. I feel like you always learn a lot from other people, other people's trajectories. And I didn't know anything about the business I was in. So I was like really like thirsty for information to learn things. And I found that if you were, I, as long as I was honest, like I, I'm trying to do this, I have no idea what I'm doing. Can anyone help? A lot of people would come to your rescue. And it was, it just became like so many incredible friendships that came out of this and relationships. And, you know, it's just, really there's so much power in like finding a community that one is with people that inspire you uh also people you learn from and that does not mean that all these people have to be the oprahs of the world you know i've learned the most of my life through my peers through my colleagues not necessarily through like big leaders in the industry you know of course those are important but on the day-to-day -day basis if you don't have that like support around you people you can call and be like have you struggled with this application today because I want to, you know, kill someone because my computer keeps crashing. And then someone is like, yes, this is what I do to fix it. You know, like those sort of connections are so important. Genuine connections, isn't it? It's, it's making friendships rather than, I think you're right. I think in the corporate world, 
we imagine like you're going in with your business card and your firm handshake and you're sort of like the aim of that interaction is to sell something or to get a lead or to get a new client and and obviously as entrepreneurs yeah okay there's yeah. an element of we want to get new clients but what I've definitely experienced is when you make genuine connections with people and even just the energy that you put out in the world I think like you attract the paid work comes to you because you're just authentically moving in these circles and you're being a genuine person yeah. and you're being a good friend and you're being a good peer yeah. and and then you know it just kind of comes rather than you having to go and yeah. like sell 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 I, like you know I, you're totally I right think it's you need we need to, to change our mindset around about the things you actually want and need from people and and the way you can and the way you use your time in a professional level i'm saying you know like which conference you're going to go to which events mm. are going to go to how many how much time are you going to give to x amount of people but at the same time you need to be open for that those connections listening to learning from people and building on relationships that they don't all develop you know from the get go like sometimes mm. it takes time but I agree mm -hmm. when people, as long as you present yourself in a very cohesive manner to people, it will help because people will keep you in mind. So next time they hear about someone who needs this, they'll be like, oh, I spoke to someone like that because you do this naturally, right? Like we all do this. We're social creatures. You see someone who's really good at whatever. And you're like, mm -hmm. that person is the person you should talk to, you know? And it's about adding value to your own community yeah. because... At the end of the day, like a lot of my work mm. was in live arts, so music, theater, dance. And in those fields, honestly, there is no such thing. It doesn't matter if someone has the best eye for directing or the absolute talent for acting. If you don't also have the producer, the set designer, the person in charge in the box office, you know, the movement director, like the lightning person like if you don't have a group of people working together for the exact same objective things just won't work out and that's the same on our professional lives you we all need collaborators you need people to check in with we need peers we need people that can help us that we can hire sometimes or that can hire us back you know and obviously leads and clients and that's absolutely fine when you go for finding for finding clients reaching out to get those partnerships. I think we need to always be the best advocates for ourselves, but that does not mean that we need to be selling ourselves all the time in a way that does not feel comfortable for us. And so I think it's about mm. changing a little bit the idea of what network even is, right? We all have a network to start with, which is our friends and family. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think that and it goes back to what you said about this, I, this kind of archaic idea of networking being very corporate and I think you know what goes with that is this inherently male white cis het older you know very type a approach to things and I'm just wondering like do we do people need to feel like they see the diversity in their space before they feel safe to network more freely because I think like you said there's this issue with diversity in creative art in creative industries and then I wonder if then that means that's why people get more intimidated by it because they don't see themselves in those groups. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I am a white privileged woman. So even though at many, many moments in my life, I was the only woman in many events and I was very badly mistreated in some occasions by people who refused to believe that I knew what I was doing because it doesn't help that I'm very short. So I would be like, I'm the person in charge. And they would be like, no, let me talk to someone else, you know. Uh, or some guys would be really sleazy. So you have to be really careful with yourself. Sometimes things, bad people come around you. So you got to be prepared. But uh, I 100% think that that's the case. Like if you don't see people that look like you. And by that, I mean, not just looks, right? Because some people have invisible disabilities, for instance, and, you know, mm. we have all have issues that maybe you can't just see by looking at us, right? But I think there's like financial barriers, there's so many things that can come in the way. I think it's more about seeing people that look like you, 
not just the way you look, but then the story you have on your background, mm. where you come yes. from, what your family's like, who is with you. Like I have a lot of similarities with a lot of people that are from completely different countries and don't look anything like me just because we had a similar upbringing in a way. And we also had no role models. We didn't know a creative mm. industry was a thing. And then we're like, oh, yeah, I didn't know this. Do you remember finding this out for the first time and all of those mm -hmm. things? So, you know, the, there's lots of similarities on all of those, but we need to see those stories out there. And I think 100%. there could be transparency about how people achieve things and where they come from, yeah. and, you know? So I think that is definitely key. And the more, that's what I say, the more representation we have <laughs> across all sectors, the better it is because representation in front of the stage or in front of the screen or on the cover of the magazines can only really happen if there's representation and diversity behind, you know, to get those things out there, yeah. right? Though, the, like, those people don't get themselves out there on their own. You know, you mm. need people around you, like you need a team. So 100%. And I think you're right. It is the stories, like the really the deep and that's what we're talking about authentic connections meeting people and feeling like you you meeting like a kindred spirit you're like ah okay like I'm safe here you get me you understand because you're right like and I'm the same as you I'm I'm, I'm white I'm privileged but I come from a very working class background but my name and how I speak nothing relays this to people so I move in these circles, but I feel very intimidated often, but people would think I'm really comfortable. But actually, when you start speaking to people and you're like, oh, yeah, I struggled with this or I found this out and I found that really hard, too. But we're both here. Isn't that great? You straight away feel so different, like to yeah. to to having to put up a front and kind of perform a role to to feel confident. I think you can feel true confidence in finding that community that you yeah. really connect with and really understand. And you know, Connie, I am a, I'm an extrovert in the way that I like to talk to people and I don't usually find that that challenging. But when every time I was put in a big conference or in a new networking event, I was very shy. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. so it's also something that I work on. Okay, I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm going to go to the bar. I'm going to see if anyone else looks a little like lost and I'm going to try to approach them or see if someone approaches me. Like, I think the first step is always just showing up. You know, mm -hmm. when yeah. it's in real life, of course, you can show up online, which is a lot easier if you're an introvert. But like, you have to put yourself out there for the opportunities as well. And mm. I think it's just something like everything else that gets better. You know, the more yeah. you do, the more you practice, you start feeling more comfortable. You know, like, I'll, there is, we, one of our mentors, uh, she also had no network when she came here. She started like reaching out to people to meet them for coffee. And she talks to me about like going to an event. She knew no one. She went there. She spent a whole day in the event, didn't speak to nobody. But the next event she was there, she recognized a few faces. And she was mm. like, okay, maybe I should talk to them. And then other people recognize her as well. And so there are many ways you can do it. You don't need to have this like pitch ready go you know like take a tequila yes. shot go talk to everybody like that's yeah. also not if that's not for you you know like <laughs> I think um so we just had a question that I think is really interesting which is how do you get past the small talk which in business you know in business networking events can be really hard to kind of go I mean do you know what it's not for me because I'm the kind of person that at a party They'll, someone will end up crying in the corner and telling me about their like family history and everyone's like oh okay Connie's on her deep DMCs again um, but for some people it's really hard to get past that small talk and get into that deeper connection do you have any tips for that yeah I mean I think when you're networking online you actually have kind of a a sort of an advantage because especially if you're using when by online, I'll say like uh, emails or social media platforms and so on. But for instance, if you are crafting your Instagram profile or your LinkedIn profile or your the dots profile, whatever it is that you use, you have already the power there to sort of shake the narrative and mm. kind of make sure that you're positioning yourself to the people you want to talk to. And you yeah. can and actually should be more direct about the things that you're looking for and you ask for. So I think that helps. But when it comes to real life, in real life encounters, this chit chat 
this informal thing is actually really important. If you find something that you connect with, with a person, and that can be very random things, Mm -hmm. that will make it easier for you to actually um, then maybe catch up or follow up on in more in-depth things. Not all connections will develop like that, you know? But finding those smaller points of connections can actually be very helpful because if you already enjoyed at least talking to that person about any other Mm -hmm. thing, then hopefully you can engage. But if it doesn't flow, I wouldn't force it. I would just like leave it, go talk to someone else. Maybe next time will be better. You know, like I think there's a lot of like, not everyone is going to like you and that's okay. And you're also not going to want to do business with with every single person in the world. That's also okay. You know, so there's a level of that, that I think is just fine. Yeah, I I agree. And I think that, you can have small talk with many people and like it's a bit like dating or something like you just sometimes spark with someone and you're like oh okay like I think we really were vibing off each other that was really great and and I think active listening is really important as well because again I'm thinking back to my corporate days you would go networking and someone is talking and all you're really thinking is okay so like how am I going to get in this thing that I'm trying to sell or how am I going to get in this pitch you know you're sort of in your own head and you're maybe missing really interesting things that they're saying that you could really connect with and you're just not so I guess just going with like a really open mind and really actively listen to that person it, yeah. I guess it's like fertile soil for those those deeper connections yeah I think when you were doing uh, talking about real life in real life networking you should always listen more than you talk mm, yeah. uh, and ask questions that's the thing you should be really curious about people I like to approach uh, professional relationships as if I would approach a friendship as in like do I want to know this person like am I interested in having this person as a friend like how curious are you about them so that really helps if you have a little bit of that as well you know because you always even even if you listen to someone's stories and you're like come out of this and think well that's like the opposite of everything that I do that reaffirms something within you. You know, you always learn mm. from other people. So it's about being, in a way, kind of, yeah, like humble and open to, at one point, someone changing your mind, but also understanding that some relationships just don't click that well, or maybe they will click in three weeks' time, you know? Yeah. But yeah. I, I'd say, yes, definitely asking questions is good and just seeing where it goes. You can always reach out to people afterwards, you know? If you sometimes people blank when they're talking to someone, then they think about something they wanted to ask like 10 minutes later. So just, you know, (laughs) that's why it's useful to have social media platforms, one or two that you use for your professional business. uh, Because then, you know, one of the things that people do the most now in events is just getting each other's like Instagram account or whatever, like a QR code or something. Or sometimes people just send each other emails right away instead of like, here's a business card. Because then you can just follow up right away afterwards, you know? So I think there's many ways you can do that. But I would say the chit chat is not a bad way. There's um, a book by Samantha Power, who was the UN ambassador to the US. And she worked in the Obama administration, etc. She comes from Ireland, has a very interesting family story, sometimes sad. But she talks about how she got the states and she was obsessed with baseball and at one point she was at this party and she met this guy who she really admired and she says they kind of freaked him out because she could only talk about like war and the work she was doing in war and then Mm. next the other the other night then she met someone who was like very senior or whatever who ended up becoming one of her mentors and they only spoke about baseball the whole night so you see like because they found like some common ground to then develop a relationship and then she was like I also do this by the way you know and that so yeah I love that so you mentioned social media I think we really have to talk about it because something that I hear time and time again within the Phantom Flourish community is you know the love-hate relationship with social media when it comes to networking because I think I've certainly met some like amazing people through social media and I know that many people do it's it's especially during the pandemic it was kind of this place for us all to hang out but it can be exhausting to to do that and to feel like you have to show up online and you've got to be kind of 
you know, nurturing this community that you're trying to grow and, and stuff like that. And some people just say, oh, I just, you know, I can't do it. Like, it's just overwhelming. What's your take on that? Like, how can we balance the power of social media for good with our mental well-being and not just be like scrolling through our phones 24-7? So, again, I think intention is really important. I think you need to know what you're, what are you using it for and probably define one or two platforms at max that you're going to focus on unless mm. unless your job is slightly different to that. But for most of us, I think you can just choose one or two places to be active in. And I would say social media is supposed to be social, right? It's a place to connect. Uh, a lot of times we don't realize how much time we waste. So it's about on it. So it's about figuring out what you want to use it for and making some clear goals for yourself so that can be like I'm going to connect with three new people on LinkedIn every week or I'm going to reach out to one person every day on Instagram that I really admire their work or whatever it it can be it can be very chilled it can Mm -hmm. I think you should first of all make sure that you are following the correct people and by that I mean Mm -hmm. if you keep following people that are just like accounts that don't really make you feel good or that are just Mm. you know creating like noise for your professional network then I don't know why you would do that that is not to say that you should only follow people that talk about rainbows and unicorns you know I think it's important sometimes to expose ourselves to maybe competitors or people that do something we do, but in a slightly different way, or who think a little bit different than you, you know, I think it's good mm. to have those voices as long as it's not making you feel bad. Yeah. And get into the the idea that people like to connect with people and a little bit of support goes a long way. So it can be very simple. It can be like, instead of scrolling for 10 minutes, I'm going to see, I'm going to maybe scroll for, 10 but I'm gonna make a point of commenting or dming five people on things that I think are good I'm gonna Mm. share stuff that I think is really nice I'm gonna tell people the five best accounts that I follow for my business because those Mm. are the most useful like it's actually being active as opposed to passive on it and you need to find a network that works for you some people only use linkedin and they love it some people only use twitter and that's what they love and some people are only on tiktok and that's what they love and that's fine so first of all find the one that works for you and your audience is probably everywhere and all of those things so just find one that it's good for you to talk to Mm -hmm. figure out more or less what you want to gain from that you know like my profile on it Instagram is very different from what I do with my LinkedIn profile. So they mm-hmm. have different purposes for my business. And one talks to one type of people and the other one talks to another mainly. But that's totally fine as well. Uh, so just be intentional, but also be kind, you know, and try as much as you can to engage with people and connect. You know, we all need support. Like, we all need a little bit of like, hey, you're doing this. This is great. And you can always ask people for things, you know, ask questions. So you saw someone at a workshop or you went to a panel and you really loved what the person said, find them on LinkedIn or Instagram and say, hey, I went to your talk, so great, really loved this, love to stay in touch. It can just be that and things can Mm -hmm. evolve from it, you know? So I think that's how I try to frame social media. And I say this all the time, whenever you feel like you're getting freaked out about the number, the algorithm, blah, 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 blah. Please think to yourself, what's my goal here? Is it to meet new people? Is it to attract sales? Is it to bring new clients? Is it to bring awareness to my brand? You are the only one who can define your metrics of success. Okay. So you need to keep that very clear in your mind and always to the back of your mind think, These social media platforms, as good as they are for lots of businesses, including for mine, they are big, big, huge business, okay? They want you to stay deep in it and do everything that they want you to do. So it's something that you need to put yourself and be like, okay, if I was the owner, if I was Mark Zuckerberg, what would I be doing to get more people 
involved in this as opposed to moving to TikTok, you know? They are all competing with each other. So make sure that you are defining metrics that are for your benefit and not being like, you know, caught up in like this algorithm likes growth game that might not serve you, you know? So it's just about really taking a step back every once in a while. Um, You can all take a social media break for a week and see that nothing's going to happen. And that usually calms people down, you know? Yeah. How, (laughs) is that what you did? Because, you know, you grew, you grew exponentially in the last year, you know, is that really all down to this intentional and genuine approach to connection rather than chasing an algorithm? Yeah. Also, I, I haven't done like a real in, I don't know how long I, I don't like to talk. I don't like to put out empty advice. I, mm. There's a saying in Portuguese that it's if advice was good, people would sell it. So you know how you can scroll down right now on Instagram and you're going to find 10,000 videos of like, this is how you grow 10,000 followers in three days. And yeah. they're all like, have a catchy phrase. Have yeah. this. Like, this is not advice. This is BS, you know, pardon my French. This is just like empty words. They don't mean anything. It's like someone messaging you and saying that they want to pick your brains. Like, can you imagine something more uncomfortable than someone like picking your brains? <laughs> like, why, why would I want that? No. So those are empty words. Like, I want to try as much as I can to always put content that I think is actually valuable. i rather add things that, will help someone inform someone or support one of my business goals then and or otherwise I won't post at all you know when Mm. I don't have anything to say I just won't because Mm. I I think transparency is a very big value we have these days and there's so much information out there you can find everything out there you can literally find 10,000 people who are networking experts as we speak, you know, whatever. They'll all probably have a different approach. They'll have different things to say. They'll have different formulas and et cetera. But I think you just need to keep focused on value. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know you're adding value, then that's that. And treating people with respect, it's a big thing for me. So uh, it doesn't matter that you, the 10 people engage with something. Those are 10 people. You know, like those 10 people can become your biggest fan. So it's funny because when I was starting in music industry, I had no idea what to do either. And uh, I worked with this band that at the big, at the time they had, I think, a thousand fans on Facebook. That was it. We were doing, but they were doing sold out concerts, like in smaller venues. And I realized that they had all these people coming back over and over again. Mm. And they were desperate at one point. They were like, oh, we have all these fans. Uh, they, we always sold out the concerts, but where do we go? How do we grow? And I and I bought this book called um, Super Fans, A Thousand Super Fans. Mm-hmm. And it was literally about that. It was about like, all you need is like a few super fans that will like share your idea mm-hmm. with someone else. You need to treat these people with a lot of respect. You know, they are the ones who are there from the get-go. They're like your initial supporters. And audience development, it's like that. It's like a small work. Like you build it here, you respect them. If they're giving you their time and their energy, and in our case in music, they were giving us their money as well. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so we need more people like this. You know, we don't need a million random people. We need more people like this. So be intentional about that as well you know and just really honor the audience you have and I think it might not be a secret to overnight success but I'm I feel pretty confidently that that is secret to a sustainable growth sustainable success and you don't have to you know change who you are to achieve anything and I think it links in with what you know you've said throughout this conversation about genuine connection and and authentic connection it's like if you see people you know be it your followers or be it you know like the email list that you got from a webinar or whatever it is like we need to get our minds out of this like numbers game of networking and actually like okay these are people who I'm going to treat with respect and I'm going to share my story with and I'm going to ask interesting questions and actively listen and beautiful things 
can can grow from from that. I think it's a really good ethos to have towards networking. Yeah, I yeah, and I, I think the the thousand super fans book is actually very helpful to this day. I don't really remember mm-hmm. everything it said, but this is how we did our first. Like honestly, that the growth we had that six first six months working with that with that mindset really changed the game. And we did this like crowdfunding campaign at that time. There was no crowdfunding website in Brazil. We created a beta version just for this project. Wow. We raised a lot of money through it. And we didn't have tons and tons of fans. We had a few really good dedicated ones, but because they were dedicated, they mm. all donated. You know? They all mm. shared. So it became They felt that their love was reciprocated. They weren't just like an empty Yeah, kind and of we thing. put a lot of effort to something that maybe you know, oh my God, is this like a lot of money? Maybe not, but it was really significant for us at that stage. And he managed to get us from one like stage in the music business to another, you know? And I think that is a really good, even though that's more focused on music, but you can definitely apply that idea of, because at the end of the day, the best marketing you can have is word of mouth, you know? And that calls for your business and for you. And this is what I always tell people, you only have your reputation at the end of the game. It doesn't matter how many achievements you have. If you can't keep your word and if you'll say one thing one day and then another thing the next day, that's why I think transparency is important. Uh, people just won't trust you because all businesses are just made of tons and tons of people. So networking is important, you know, because this is literally how things work. Like we are not... The thing is that if you put on social media, like, you know most people now we're a bit savvy to you know the kind of bs that can be on social media so it's like if someone is saying you know oh i can teach you this or i can do this or i can do whatever and you know i i raised this much money or i got this many followers but then you say to your friend oh have you heard of this person and they say oh yeah actually i did this and they were really lovely and you know people will will check you out you know people do their due diligence so you're right, like you can put out the, the all the marketing you want, but if your reputation is, oh yeah, that's a load of like rubbish, like don't believe it, it's done, you know? So you need that word of mouth support or word of mouth marketing to support your other marketing efforts. Yeah. I, I kind of realized, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about networking in terms of, you know, you, maybe you selling your services or you selling your products, but what about to meet people, to delegate things to? Because I think that's a really important part of growing yeah, your business yes. kind of expanding and growing is is having that could, yeah what, what are your kind of thoughts on networking from I guess the other side of things where you're actually looking for people to help you yeah I think that's literally one of the most useful parts of networking I um so the other day so we we are I have to do some changes on our website and I am very bad at tech and operations so Someone messaged something about being tired. Someone that I follow on Instagram messaged something about being really overwhelmed that week. And if anyone else was feeling it and I messaged her back and I was like, yes, oh my God, what's going on? And so we had a conversation about that. And then at some point I said, yeah, like I'm really, um, really struggling with this thing because I haven't been able to figure out and find a time. And she was like, oh, I have the perfect person for you. I have the exact same problem. This is the person you go talk to. And I think... I I got asked the other day what was the biggest investment I ever made in my business and 100% is always people like mm. if you don't delegate like you don't grow it's really hard to like I don't I really don't like doing things completely alone uh, the first person I mm. hired when I had on my first agency I worked really hard for the first four months so I could hire a finance person to help me out because I hated doing that like it took me 10 hours yeah. to do what she took one to do. And yeah. then as soon as I could, I hired my assistant. And then one of my best assistants that I've ever had, she's like a star. She opened her own agency. She has her own business. She's like incredible. She also came because uh, I was I needed an assistant and someone was like, oh, I worked with this girl for a little bit of time, but I can no longer pay her. Do you want to talk to her? She doesn't really have the background that I think you need, but she's really great. And I met her and I was like this is it and we worked together for like three years I think non-stop three or four she was incredible and um so I think it's really really important and also to figure out how can you solve some of these issues you know like we 
I actually took part in one of Fawn and Flourish's workshop and it was about, I think there was a part of delegating and timekeeping and productivity. And it was lovely because there were people that were like virtual assistants and stuff. And I think it's, there's two things that that network can help. One is talking to people about the problems you're all struggling, understanding that you're probably not alone and figuring out how people solve some of the issues and then also getting recommendations, you know, for like designers or for assistants or for whatever, like lawyers. Like I ask advice for everything on those things. Because yeah. if you just go and search, you're going to be like, ah, where someone can tell you all that, how it works, how it operates, how it worked for them, what they found good, what they didn't find good. That is such a amount. There's such a, a, a massive amount of time you're going to save, first off. And second, it really helps you because you can understand what it's working for them. Why? What's that person's style? And you're like, okay, this makes sense for me. This is probably within my budget. So I think it's really really important and yes delegating your time is incredible because no one is i say this all the time i hate that i I hate that quote that you have the same amount of hours as beyonce has because you do not no you do not because she has like 10 people doing other things that we yeah like you know i have a cleaner come once a week to my house so i don't have to spend my whole sunday doing it you know because she does it like in two hours what I would spend a whole day doing. So it's like, is it better if I have the cleaner come in or is it better if I do it myself? You know, Beyonce has Mm -hmm. that for like, I imagine almost everything in her life, you know? So obviously you do not have the same amount of time, you know? So totally. And I think that, like you said, the it's this ecosystem that you're creating around yourself with your network, which A, you might be able to get business from at some point, but B, you're going to be able to find people that can help you. That's going to help you grow, but you're going to ask your network for their recommendations. And then one day you'll be the recommendation that someone gives someone, you know, it's about really just creating a supportive network around you who, who you trust because you genuinely connected with them. Like it's not just kind of superficial and then those recommendations, everyone's going to, you know, be connected with the people that really suit them. I yeah. think it's, it's an ecosystem, really. That's, yes. that's the thing. How did that help your your sort of mental well-being of just being a creative, a freelancer, you know, working for yourself, the, the insecurities that come from that financially and emotionally and, you know, all of those sort of things. How important is having a like-minded network being for your just mental well-being as an entrepreneur oh my god that's like so important and to be honest this is something that i've learned basically i had this support system around me but i wasn't as good as when i started i wasn't as good to that good into asking for things that directly like it would happen organically and at some point and then with some people i created this bond where i could really ask them for help Mm. but um for a lot of it's it's actually a skill so i think there is potentially a concept that maybe this is like not manly or brave or bold or whatever, but asking for help when you need help is actually a really difficult thing to learn how to do, Mm. like to actually put into words what is it that you're struggling with and having people around you that you feel comfortable reaching out to. And I got better at that the older I got because I was like, yeah, I don't need to do everything alone. Why well, I'm like trying to like rack my brains to f- figure this out if I can just literally call someone. And this is literally one of the biggest thing about starting on the networking was actually the mental aspect because I was struggling a lot and um, I have a history with uh, mental health issues and it obviously really amped up in the middle of, in the beginning of COVID. There were a lot of losses uh, in close yeah, uh, family members and yeah. so it was really difficult. I was obviously away from my whole family. There were a lot of, you know, complications. And I at one point realized, look at all these people that are calling me, that are checking up on me, that are sharing with me their own struggles. Like all of my friends that were like, we were getting together like on Zoom, on the telephone at the time because we were locked down to talk about like, can we do anything? Can we send your CV around? How are you feeling? Have you seen this? Have you seen that? Like all these people that were like literally for no other reason, just coming together because on our own, it was going to be too hard to figure it out because mentally it was really difficult for everyone, you know? And so 
I think this was one of the things that I thought like imagine if I didn't have these people like what like what would be of me you know with this tiny shoebox in London you know um so I think this is really 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 important and in a way a lot of your professional network depending on how your contacts are are the people who support you the most because they will know exactly what you're going through right I totally agree and sometimes even my best friends they don't understand like they don't ask me about work in the same way because you know they're not in this industry they're not a freelancer and I think that your best friends or your family they're obviously always going to love you and support you and be there for your mental well-being but having people that are genuine deep connections within your work is is amazing yeah it really comes down to seeing yourself again reflected on someone and understanding that you actually are not alone that that struggle is actually happening to a b and c it's not like a struggle competition you know but like it's good when you understand that like oh other people go through this as well like i'm not crazy you know because it's easy to doubt yourself especially if you work on your own because you get in your head really easily so learning how to like get out of it and ask for support when you need is like definitely something i don't know maybe we should all learn that in school you know because i don't know if that's well Mm. clear cut for everybody you know some people no but conversations like this conversations like this is is amazing because hearing people like you share this is you know this is what we need we need to know that it's okay to do it and there's no I think people are protective and they're like I want to seem strong like I want to seem like I'm super capable but actually vulnerability can be a huge gateway to to making those amazing connections so I mean this conversation has just been full (laughs) of amazing advice and tips but before we go can I just get your quick three top tips on on these subjects so what would be your top tip for somebody that's just nervous about networking it just makes them feel nervous um I would say to first figure out why you want to network and make your values really clear and then maybe reach out to your three of your best friends or best business friends and colleagues and be like hey I really like to meet people that do this, this, and this. Do you have anyone to introduce me to? And just start there. Mm. Like, I think email is a very underused tool, messages, and just go and ask someone for something very small, very specific, and put yourself out there. Or if even that scares the hell out of you, just go on your LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever it is, and share something you really know really well that you don't know if people have. So like... If anyone needs help designing a logo, I can teach you how, like for the three first people, or Mm. I am a whatever, I work in this type of company. Uh, If anyone wants to discuss their cover letters with me, because we, for positions that are like mine, send me your email and I'll do it for you. Just add something to the community and that's it. Just start the conversation there, you know, that also helps because you position yourself as an expert, but. It's also nice because you're giving something. If you feel like asking is too much at this point, just give something to someone. I love that. Um, what would your advice to be someone who's maybe feeling overwhelmed by being a you know solopreneur, a, a founder? You know, they're on their own and they're going out their mind a little bit, which I think we all do at times. Okay. What would be your best piece of advice for that person? I think this is really hard, but I would definitely say that if you can take a full day off, if you're feeling really overwhelmed, go and rest, really rest. Yeah. Call someone, go for a walk, do whatever makes you happy. Remember the things that make you who you are in spite of your job. And I think that really helps mm-hmm. to foster innovation, creative thinking, and you relax. We need actual rest. And it's, I think, really underused very practical tool uh, in the world so when I'm feeling like this and I feel like it's just not going anywhere I just take a break you know and utilize that out of office that seems to be the advice that we always come back to it's like so empowering just to be like if someone emails they know and most people go okay yeah. I'll talk to them tomorrow um, and then the last thing is what would be your tip for someone who 
like we talked about delegation, he's maybe wanting to expand their team, is like looking at that, but is just feeling a bit wary. I feel like reaching out to your network and asking for advice is, is a good place to start. Yeah, I'd say that one thing that I've learned how to do is to first kind of assess where your time goes during the day. So maybe for a week, track what you've been doing and see the tasks that take you the longer to do. And then realize, mm. is this because they are the most important? And time consuming or is it because I'm not the best person to be doing this you know and be really mm. real with yourself uh, and once you figure out actually this is not where my strength lies so ideally I would get someone to do this for me because it would allow me to focus time on this other piece of the puzzle where I am the best person to deliver so it's a bit of self-awareness and then once you have that you're like okay I know who I need to hire and then you can go ask for people but you first need to figure out what you need to be, what you need to delegate, you know? Exactly. Isabel, thank you so much. This has just been such an amazing conversation. I've got so much for it personally, and I know that anyone listening back to it will too. How can we find you? How can we support what you're doing? How can people get involved with iLight Networking? Yes, so you can follow us on iLightNetworking.uk. We have a really good newsletter. It goes out once a month full of opportunities and resources and news our website our instagram is at i like networking uh, we also have twitter and linkedin we share jobs opportunities and all sorts of good stuff over there uh, in terms of how you can support or engage with us we have a membership scheme it's currently waitlisted but we are going to open it again but you can put your name down for that uh, we also have a free mentoring program that will likely start again next year. It's once a year. It's totally free. You can apply from anywhere in the world. And you, we have lots of workshops and courses and events you can attend. But if you just want to support us without spending a penny, just come follow us, comment and share what we do to someone else. That really goes a long way. And maybe send it to someone who might need it. Amazing. Isabel, thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Bossing It. So that this podcast can be discovered by even more people, please do rate, review and subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. You can find us online at Found Flourish and you can tweet us, DM us, get in touch with us however you'd like to let us know if you've got any questions about the topics we cover in this series or if you'd like to nominate your favourite entrepreneur to be our next guest.